This is Taekwon Lewis. You're listening to Dash to the Draft on Sports Crunch. Welcome back to Sports Crunch with D. Crom, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, David Cromelo, and we are officially less than one month away from the 2018 NFL Draft. And next week, NFL clubs will start to finalize their draft boards as they return from the Easter recess. In that spirit, we here at Sports Crunch are planning an absolute blitzkrieg of our Dash to the Draft series from now until draft day with as many as three to four episodes per week. And we kick off that final sprint tonight with a look at this very deep and talented class of linebackers. And just a FYI, by linebackers, I don't mean edge rushers who line up as outside backers in a base 3-4 defense. I mean linebackers who play off the ball, which means their job is to either stop the run, blitz up the middle, or drop into coverage. Here to help give us a glimpse of this promising linebacker crop is our good friend Pete Smith, who covers the NFL draft in the Cleveland Browns for NFLSpinZone.com. It's great to have you back on again, Pete. How, you, how are you doing? I am good. How's everything with you? Everything's going great, thanks. It was a fun uh, finally meeting you in person at the Senior Bowl, and uh, we saw a lot of those great linebackers down there, and uh, can't wait to talk about them with you. Right. Let's do it. Absolutely. And uh, this guy wasn't at the Senior Bowl, but he is the guy many expect to be the first linebacker off the board, and that is Georgia's Roquan Smith. Several have him as a top 5 to 10 overall prospect. Do you share that view? Yeah, you can make the case that Roquan Smith's the best player in the draft if you want to. Based on athleticism, his production at Georgia was, you know, legendary, essentially. And then, you know, just the tape, his age, just everything you want to see from a, you know, premier linebackers there, which is why a lot of people are sort of putting him in that, you know, Luke Keekley type class. And, and I've seen, you know, more than a few people have, have compared him to Ray Lewis and maybe Ray Lewis might be a little more uh, accurate only because, the, you know, Ray Lewis was a lot smaller uh, when he was at the University of Miami and Roquan Smith is a, you know, you know, a trend that's sort of happening with the NFL is these linebackers are getting smaller and faster, and he's he's sort of in that nice sleek 230-pound range. So, you know, he's a guy with sideline-to-sideline side speed. He can do basically anything you want, and his game tape and everything he's been doing has been nothing short of spectacular. I completely agree, but some uh, do have concerns about his ability to take on blockers and believe he might need some bigger bodies up front to help him better clear lanes for him to get to the ball carrier. So do you see him falling out of the top 10 due to those concerns? It's possible. I I would, I mean, again, I would go back to Keekly and and Ray Lewis and their entire careers in the NFL have largely had fat kids in front of them sucking up those blocks to protect them so they could just fly around and do stuff. I mean, Luke Keekly, you know, they have, uh, they just lost, Star Latulale, they have K1 Short there. Ray Lewis obviously had, you know, Sam Adams and and uh, you know the 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 giant fat guy Tony Siragusa. Yeah, there you go, the goose. Uh, so I mean, you know, if if that's your biggest concern, I mean, certainly a team can take him. But you know, the team that just sort of screams out to to needing a Roquan Smith type player is a team like Oakland. But certainly there's a few of these other teams that are even earlier that could conceivably make that splash and basically make the argument that, look, he is, you know, because of the way this draft class sort of works and some of these other positions that once you get past the quarterbacks and you're basically trying to make the argument that it's Quentin Nelson is the best player in the draft, 
that it's easy to then justify taking Roquan Smith if you sort of want to really make a stamp on the defensive side of the ball. Absolutely. And if there is one linebacker that has a chance at getting drafted ahead of Roquan Smith, it is Virginia Tech's Tremaine Edmonds. He is only 19 years old and he is the quintessential athletic freak given the unreal movement skills he possesses at 253 pounds. Uh, to be specific, he ran a 4-5-4-40 at the Combine. And also, many believe he can be a lethal force rushing the passer off the edge as well as being that typical off-ball linebacker. However, there are a lot of concerns about his instincts, which are below average, according to many. How worried are you that his lack of instincts will prevent him from reaching his otherworldly potential? I'm not, and it's largely because, you know, he had so much production. I mean, he played two seasons. The last two years, he's had basically 13% of the team's total market share, which says to you he gets to the ball. And when, when it gets right down to it, that's the job of the linebacker. And some of that, you know, he's 19. There's, you know, a little bit of that that's just he's going to get smarter sort of as he gets older a little bit. But, you know, I would certainly take Roquan Smith over him, but I can certainly understand the argument for Tremaine Edmonds. Uh, he comes from a freaky, uh, genetically gifted family. He's already got one brother in the NFL. His what well, what is the middle brother of this NFL family is in this draft class with him, who's basically a year older than him. He's ridiculously athletically gifted. So certainly you can bet on that genetics part of this, and, and he offers a little bit more size. And, you know, as opposed to Roquan Smith, who's so fast sideline to sideline, it's not to say Tremaine Edmonds is slow by any stretch, but he's the type of guy where, you, you know, he's the train, and you don't want to be in the tracks when he's coming downhill. You most certainly do not. And another prospect that came literally out of nowhere last season and has skyrocketed up draft boards since then is Boise State's Leeton Vanderesh. 2017 was his only season as a full-time starter, yet he absolutely stuffed the stat sheet with 141 tackles, and in a half of which were for loss, four sacks, four pass breakups, and four forced fumbles. Many around the league believe he will go off the board in the latter part of round one as a result of his breakout season in 2017. Based on your evaluation of his tape... Is Leighton Van Der Esch for real, or does he have legitimate one-year wonder concerns? I think anytime you've got a guy who's basically, you're right, he's got one good year of tape because he battled injuries last year at Boise State. You've certainly got to at least consider the fact that that is going to be a thing with him. But the, at the same time, it's hard to discount just how productive he was, you know, 16.1% solo tackle market share this past year is insane and his size i mean he's a little over 6'4 he's 256 pounds he's ridiculously athletic so if you're gonna say that uh, you know he's a one-year wonder certainly it's an a tempting one-year wonder to sort of pick but i mean he's one of two fantastically gifted linebackers out of the uh out of that conference out of the mountain west but you know he's just got something that, that uh, in terms of size, that very few in this class sort of offer. That so many are on that lighter side. But to me, if if you know if he's the Steelers are the team that's always seems to have guys fall on their lap. If this guy's sitting there, you know when they're picking at the end of the first round, I mean I would be really surprised if they didn't pull the trigger. I actually mocked Van Der Esch to the Steelers at 28. I've been hearing the buzz leaking into the Steelers for the past several weeks. And a good friend of the show, uh, Eric Trickle, uh, NFL insider and draft analyst for MileHighHuddle.com, uh, he says that when watching Van Der Esch, he reminds him um, a lot of Ryan Chazier. Do you see that similarity? In some respects. I mean, Chazier was just a ridiculously gifted, lighter athlete. I mean, he was, you know, he had 
legitimate sprinter speed. And now, granted, he was a pro day guy, and Ohio State's got a little bit of a fast track, but they, you know, said he was a four three athlete. But I mean, some of some of what Shazier has been for the Steelers is he was a bit of a guesser in terms of where plays were going, and the Steelers never really care about that too much. So I mean, if if, if you feel like Van Der Esch is in that mold, then certainly that would be something they could like. I mean, that also would lead some to believe that they may really, really like Malik Jefferson out of Texas because he's in sort of that same mold uh, in terms of a more of a guessing type who's just supremely athletic. And when he's right, he's going to make, you know, he's going to make an impact. We're going to get to Malik Jefferson in just a second. But before we get to Malik Jefferson, let's talk about another linebacker prospect that many are apparently sleeping on right now. And that is Rashawn Evans of Alabama. On a new episode of his podcast a few days ago, uh, Daniel Jeremiah of NFL Network said that Evans could end up being a top 15 pick. Would it surprise you if Rashawn Evans goes that high? Yes, he has no business going that high because, look, this comes back to this whole thing of what, you know, when you envision a linebacker, what do you want that position to do? The answer should always be come back and make tackles. That's, you know, that's the job. You're a trained dog. Go get the football. And this is sort of the issue with some of these Alabama linebackers and Alabama players in general is they just whether you want to make the case that there are just so many talented players that guys get squeezed out of production. But Rashad Evans just doesn't have very many tackles for a linebacker. And that should scare you if you're you're a team that's trying to take him that high that, you know, I'm sure he's that that would suggest that he's been great in interviews. Uh, he tested pretty well. And I know a lot of people really, really like him as that third guy, even before Vander Esch. But to me, I, I just can't justify it when the production's not there. Uh, and that's to me, that's an integral part of the process, especially if you're going to talk about a first round guy. But especially in this linebacker class, which is just, you know, people talk about how good this running back class is. And so linebacker class to me is arguably better. There's just it's talent from start to finish. And then there's going to be guys that don't get drafted who could legitimately make a, a huge impact in this league. It's just that stacked. So it's very hard for me to justify that kind of that kind of hype for him. I wouldn't take him in the first round. I wouldn't take him in the second round, but uh, it certainly would not surprise me if, you know, a team takes him in the first round, but top 15 is really, really rich. But that I think what Jeremiah is speaking to is sort of a, an overall sort of, I guess you sort of draft class where so many guys are so tightly knit together that you can, you know, a guy that you might think is the 50th best player could legitimately go in the top 15, for example. There's a bunch of these guys in this class that are really, really great athletes and really special talents that people are talking about going much, much later. And and the opposite's true. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But I would say that's a buyer beware situation. Yes. And does Rashawn Evans uh, strike you as a one-dimensional player? Is he only like a two-down thumper or a guy who's a liability against the run and can only be used on passing downs? No, I think he's an okay run defender. It's just, again, you just have to have production there and I think a lot of teams actually like him in part because he offers a third down option but I think some of that is because they actually they actually like him to attack the quarterback and that may be a reason that sort of vaults him up is the idea that the two down linebacker just does not have you know the value but again I think there's so many three down guys in this class that that's not really a huge concern to me and I think there's just better better players. Yes, and back to another good player that you just mentioned, and that is Malik Jefferson of Texas. Jefferson had some first-round buzz heading into the 2017 season, and he backed it up with a Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year honor. But despite that, the scouting community appears to be concerned about his tremendous inconsistencies. 
And as you said, and as Rob Rang and Dane Brugler noted in the annual NFL Draft edition of Lindy's Magazine, Jefferson is indeed a, quote, guesser. And when he's right, it's excellent grade A film. But when he's wrong, more often than not, leads to big plays for the offense. How far do you think Jefferson can fall due to that and other factors, such as his lack of preferred length for the linebacker position? I think he'll probably end up going somewhere on day two. What's funny is how many teams are like, seem to be okay with the idea of a guesser if they're supremely athletic and the Steelers are notably one of those teams. And, and from a fan standpoint, you know, the average fan just sort of notes, notices the big hits and they'll, they'll notice the great plays that Malik Jefferson puts together. And, and if you throw on his highlight tape, it's probably as impressive as anybody in the class. But in terms of actually, you know, being consistent on a down-to-down basis of, of assignment football, I think Malik uh, Jefferson has a lot of uh, a lot of that guessing in him. He'll he'll be wrong quite a bit. He, he's reminiscent of the uh, player that the Giants just traded for from the Rams, and. You can get somewhere with those type of guys, but I think they leave a lot of plays on the field and ultimately leave you sort of unsatisfied. But I think for the value of day two, he actually does have a, you know, becomes an attractive prospect for one of those teams. Yes, and that player you were referring to that the Giants acquired for the Rams is Alec Ogletree, and I think uh, you're probably not the only one who has that comparison for Malik Jefferson. And he is Pete Smith of NFLSpinZone.com. And Pete, uh, let's now play one of my favorite games to play during draft season. This is Buy or Sell, in which I just uh, give you the name of a prospect that has uh, caught some buzz in the either the All-Star Game circuit or the Combine, and you uh, just uh, let us know whether you buy or sell uh, his stock. Starting with a guy who you and I saw down in Mobile, uh, Darius Leonard of South Carolina State. Buy or sell? Oh, I'll buy it. I, I'm a fan of, of Darius Leonard. Uh, I had a chance to talk to him, and... It was interesting because his story is when he was coming out of high school, he was recruited by Clemson in South Carolina, but they didn't like him because he he didn't gain enough weight. And he, he basically put himself on a ridiculous meal plan at South Carolina State to gain weight. And by the time you know he got out of there with a bunch of Defensive Player of the Year awards at, uh, at South Carolina State, Dabo Sweeney at the uh, Senior Bowl basically admitted he wished he would have stuck with him and recruited him. Yes, and another guy at the Senior Bowl who I actually interviewed and turned heads is BYU's Fred Warner, buy or sell. Oh, I'll buy him. He's productive. He's a good athlete uh, in coverage. Uh, he's got some work to do as a run run defender, but he's definitely a guy you can add to your team, whether you want to make him a coverage specialist uh, and special teams guy and think of him as somebody who's you know on the come uh, because he is only 21, but he, he's just got a lot to like about his game. I completely agree. He definitely stood out to me in practices. And another guy we saw down there uh, fits that uh, burgeoning uh, dime linebacker role that is emerging like with guys like Daniel Buchanan of Arizona, to be specific. And he is Clemson's Dorian O'Daniel. Buy or sell? I'll sell. And it's not because I don't like O'Daniel. I actually do. He's a nice player. He actually looked really good down at the Senior Bowl. Uh, my, my concern with him is simply age. I think he's 24 already uh, and he's on the smallish side. But, you know, I, I think he distinguished himself a little bit down. I think that was the reason he wanted to go to the senior bowl is important to him. And he was a he was a fill in guy. He was a call up and looked pretty good as a run guy, wanted to make sure he showed people he could do it, because I know a lot. of Again, another guy I talked to said that, uh, you know, yes, it was playing behind that Clemson defensive line, which is probably going to have three or four first round picks next year that they're. There is a question of whether these other guys are legitimately good, and he wanted to fight those answers. So, I mean, 
Day three type guy, sure, uh, but the age is the concern for me. And another guy who could be tremendous value on day three, health permitting, is Wisconsin's Jack Cicci, buy or sell? Um, I'll sell it. I know a lot of people love him, but the injuries are concerned. And, and don't get me wrong, he showed a ton of talent when he was on the field at Wisconsin, but I'm always wary of guys that just played so small amount in college. And, you know, he might be a guy where a team takes him a, a late flyer, and maybe it pays off for him, but uh, I, there's just too many good players at this position for me to want to go that route. How about to Gray Scales of Indiana, buy or sell? I'm going to sell for the moment. I like his tape. He's completely unorthodox. He does almost everything wrong, but he's just such a dog after getting with the ball that he just has a knack for just finding a way there. Uh, the problem is he tested so poorly at the combat. He ran like a 4.8, and you just never got that sense of watching him on tape. So I'm curious to see when the pro day numbers come out, if that's sort of addressed, but that's, you know, that's really, really low for a guy who's probably going to be day three already. uh, And, and sort of a scrappy guy. He's got insane production uh, at Indiana the past couple of years. And, and Indiana has been a team that's produced some nice NFL talent, but you know, unless, unless he's improving massively on, on some of the uh, testing data, I'll take a pass. A guy who appeared on the map at the Combine and is now getting a lot of love in the draft Twitter world is Gennard Avery of Memphis. Buy or sell? I'll buy it. I don't know how old he is. That's the only question I have with him, but he's big. He's fast. He can run. He's physical at the point of attack. He has a lot of production at Memphis, and you know that's in part what the Combine is for. And It's not to justify a guy that can't play, but it's to make you go back and look at a guy that maybe – you just didn't see yet. And Jannard Avery is a, certainly a great example of that. And, and a guy that, that may really come out a winner of, of the combine and, and get directed. Now he still may end up being a day three player, but that may have more to do with the, the depth and the, just the amount of guys at the position. But I, I know there's more than a few guys who think, you know, he, he could go on day two. That could most certainly be the case. And last but not least, a guy that Jonah Tolls of NDT Scouting was uh, slobbering over on Twitter in a good way uh, a couple days ago. Christian Sam of Arizona State, buy or sell? Uh, I'll sell. He is really productive for Arizona State. Another guy I'd like to see the pro day data on. And I know there's a lot of guys who are a fan of his, but I just need to see more. And again, there's just more guys that we haven't even mentioned that that I think are just better football players. This class of linebackers is just so stacked that there are guys that people have never heard of that will contribute on Sundays. Absolutely. And what are some of those other names that we haven't mentioned tonight that we should all keep an eye out for on draft weekend? Micah Kaiser from Virginia. He was a guy I was concerned with in terms of his speed, and he ran a 4.54 and just blew away the testing. His production was never in doubt. He's got three years of outstanding production in Virginia. He's also the the Campbell Award winner for this past year, which is essentially the academic Heisman. He's just a fantastic kid. Frank Ginda from San Jose State. Uh, he's the other the other linebacker from the Mountain West Conference. He declared early. He's actually going to be – he's still 20. Uh, he'll turn 21 in May. But he tested really, really well. His production is over two seasons as opposed to a guy like Leighton Vanderish is one – the big difference is Leighton Vanderish tests a little better. He's he's a little bit bigger, 
But you know, if you're if you're trying to you know be a conscious consumer and sort of hold off, Frank Ginda is really impressive. And then the last guy I'll, I'll mention is is Foye Aluokan. I apologize if I butchered it. Uh, <laughs> he's from Yale. He's fascinating in that he played both football and basketball, and he has experience playing corner and safety before moving up to linebacker. He tested really, really well. He's about 230 pounds, but he has a ton of production at the Ivy League, and and that league is just producing more and more talent. But he's a guy that probably a lot of people don't know, maybe a guy who doesn't get drafted, but you know, for people who are, are looking for the, you know, the undrafted type stud guy like Dylan Cole was last year that Houston got after the draft, that may be a guy where somebody just snatches him up and then becomes a player early. Pete Smith, thank you so much for joining us once again. But before we go, uh, I want to talk about some of the most ideal team fits for some of these amazing linebacker prospects, starting with Roquan Smith. You mentioned the Raiders as a potential fit, but I'm thinking the Bears at eight or the Colts at six could be great fits for him too. What do you think? Um, I think I think the Bears would be great, great for him. I do think Oakland is is fantastic only because I think they want to load up on on those bigger bodies and just sort of let their guys fly around with Khalil Mack on the outside, Bruce Irvin, those type of guys. But yeah, I mean, there's no bad team for him to go to. Absolutely not. And what about Tremaine Edmonds? Tremaine Edmonds, you know, we'll see what they do. But if, if the Bills stay down there at 12, I could see them ending up with, with Tremaine Edmonds and, and adding him to the mix. You know, he's probably a little bit more of a 3-4 inside backer type. But again, there's, you know, he's just so young and talented that he's just a big ball of clay for some of these teams. Washington could be interested in, in the last I would throw out there is Green Bay. Green Bay could definitely be in the market for these linebackers and just pounce on a guy that sits, ends up falling to him. Yes. And aside from the Steelers, what would be a good fit for Leighton Vander Esch? That's a good question. Maybe the Saints. I, I, you know, I don't know if they, you know, they've obviously been trying to overhaul their secondary and they've done that in the past year. They've been trying to beef up their defensive line and I don't think they're done. But I think that's a guy that they may want to add to sort of continue this overhaul of their defense to get younger, more athletic, to try to give Drew Brees enough to where they can make that push to the Super Bowl. He would be a great add for the Saints. And how about Rashawn Evans? Well, I mean, for me, I hope he goes to the Steelers because I, don't, I don't think he's very good. But um, <laughs> maybe a team like Tennessee, that type of team that likes that. He's got some of that Avery Williamson type uh, and he just left in free agency, I believe, to the Jets. Yes, he did. They may want to sort of look to, to fill that void in the middle of their defense. Yes, uh, he would be an ideal fit in a 3-4 scheme as an inside backer. And aside from the Steelers that we mentioned earlier, how about Malik Jefferson? The Rams stand out. They obviously you know, traded their, their middle linebacker. Now, that may be because they don't want the, that type of linebacker on their team. But uh, certainly they have a hole to fill. Carolina could probably use, if they want to get younger at that position, could use somebody like that. Atlanta sort of fits in that mold of, you know, lighter weight, fast guys that can fly over the field. And then, you know, the other team that could fit in that, especially with all the talk about Vontez Perfect uh, potentially being moved would be a team like Cincinnati. Oh, absolutely. And how about Darius Leonard? Leonard, I mean, it's just a case of who wants a good linebacker who can run cover. So if your team likes to play just with your front four rushing the passer so you know the Giants stand out as that Philadelphia stands out in that vein of, of teams 
And last but not least, Fred Warner. So he's just, I would say he's in the same vein in terms of teams that want to play their linebackers in space, let them run around, play in coverage as opposed to really attacking the quarterback. That's sort of a staple for the those type of teams like the Giants, like the Eagles. Uh, that's hopefully what the Browns are going to ultimately become, but that may wait a year until Greg Williams is fired. But those type <laughs> of teams where you're not really asking to do a ton in terms of playing forward. And just for the hell of it, I hope Greg Williams gets fired because he told Jabril Peppers to do something. Coaches can't do that. Yeah, well, I mean, if they decide to run the Angel stuff again, there's nothing I can say because last year it was a little bit of defensible. They didn't have the guys. To, they didn't trust their corners. Jabril Peppers wasn't playing a position he was comfortable with. I, I could sort of understand the idea of taking away the deep ball. They do it this year when they've had a chance to sort of really change the secondary to guys they want. You know, at that point, it just looks like punt return for the sake of wanting to run punt return. Pete Smith, NFLSpinZone.com. You can follow him on Twitter at underscore Pete Smith underscore Pete. It's always a pleasure having you on to talk football, and we definitely hope to have you on again very, very soon. Uh, Thanks for having me anytime. You're very welcome, Pete. Thank you. And that's all for today here on Sports Crunch with D-Crom. Stay with us this next month as we churn out more and more content to get you ready for the draft. Also, be sure to check out the episode archive, including our 100th episode special, my interview with longtime NFL scout Greg Gabriel, as well as an up-to-date blog of mine at sportscrunch.com. And remember, that is Crunch with a K. And if you enjoy these podcasts, please consider leaving us an iTunes review and donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash sportscrunch so we can improve our iTunes ranking and afford to produce even more shows with awesome guests like Pete, especially since there's never, never an off-season for talking football. For Pete Smith, our producer Chris Broad, and I'm David Cromwell saying so long, and of course, stay awesome. <laughs>